Welcome back to the Boneyard Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Jared Chaffet. So this week, Artie and I are going to take a week off from recording. Um, we're going to go down to the beach. We're going to have some beers. We're still going to talk EC sports, but we're not going to do it in front of microphones, okay? We're, we may do it. Um, we may do something live on Twitter. I know that we were talking about doing shotguns, but y'all got to keep retweeting that thing. We, uh, we want to shotgun some beers with y'all um, this weekend with all the Pirate Nation. So... Yeah, this week we were doing something a little bit different. We wanted to celebrate America in the best way we know how, and that's by giving you our American Athletic Conference preseason predictions and preview show. So this week what we did was we sat down with host of the AAC Daily Podcast, C. Austin Cox. Um, We talked a little bit about players to watch out for, coaches that may be on the hot seat. We also talked about dark horse candidates to have a really good season this year and maybe even get bowl eligible um, you'll want to stay tuned for what uh, Austin has to say about Mike Houston, head coach of the ECU football team. Um, he's really high on really high on him, and he has some really great words about the ECU football program. So, yeah, stay tuned for that. We hope you enjoy this episode. It's going to be a shorter episode, but we, we uh, wanted you to have something to listen to on your way down to the beach or on your way to work on – Thursday or Friday, and uh, we hope you really enjoy this podcast. We hope you have a fun and safe holiday weekend, and uh, have a beer f- for us, okay? So, uh, yeah, everybody have a fun and safe holiday weekend. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. Go Pirates! We're really excited to have C. Austin Cox mm-hmm. of the AAC Daily. It's a podcast that is. I mean, it covers the American Athletic Conference, the conference that we're in. Um, we're joined by the host, C. Austin Cox, today. Um, Austin, how's it going today? It is going great, man. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. Yeah, the pleasure is all ours. We're excited to have you. Um, th- this is going to be kind of a different episode for, for our listeners. Um, so this episode, if you're listening to it, it's airing uh, the week of July 4th. And then we're gonna we're gonna take a week off. So this episode was recorded a little bit earlier, um, but I wanted to kind of get into it, Austin. When you, I know you went to Cincinnati. Um, yeah. How did you really get involved with AAC Daily? Kind of kind of tell me where that came from. Well, you know, it's kind of a kind of a funny story how I got into the whole AAC uh, in general. I was doing a show for BCSN at the time called the Big Twelve Daily. We had just launched it uh i would just move that back up here into to cincinnati from texas and uh the big 12 daily got some decent numbers and then uh it was around 2016 i'm sure you guys remember the the big hubbub about the big 12 possibly yeah yeah, absolutely and it was it was a complete circus you know in hindsight i think we all know how that went down but uh, i started to go ahead and scout around some of the aac schools which uh obviously got me back to visiting Cincinnati again, going down to Memphis, uh, Orlando, a couple of other programs. And I, I just pitched the idea because I saw, I was like, you know, this has a pretty good fan base. I, I had been associated with the Big East briefly, but I didn't really connect with the American Athletic Conference for uh, the first, I guess, three, four years of its existence. And I pitched it to the, the higher ups. I'm like, hey, look, 
the, we got a huge fan base here that would probably gobble up the exposure and nobody's taking advantage of it. Why don't we see what happens? And, you know, the rest is history. It just took off. Yeah, and that's kind of the same thing that we've done with our podcast here. We, we saw that th- this was a market that not many people were tapping into. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, we, we've benefited from it so far. But, yeah, I, I listen. I'm a weekly listener of your podcast when it's on. Um, I, I listen to it as much as I can. Um, you've been on a hiatus lately. When, when do you plan on coming back? Uh, well, right now they got us tentatively slotted for August, uh, no specific day. They're just saying August 2020. But as, as you guys know, there's a lot of things up in the air, and you you got to stay really fluid and, and be able to, you know, move around and adjust on the fly uh, because, you know, as each week passes, we, we keep wondering, you know, when are we going to get definitive word about when the season's going to start? Uh, as you guys know, media days, which is an opportunity for us to all – basically gather in one city and and hang out with the coaches and players usually up there in new england that's going to be moving to texas shortly yep you know with that being a, a virtual situation this year we're still not even sure how that's going to play out it, it's it's pretty wild but as as they keep telling me don't worry we're back in august so i'm looking forward to that of course yeah we're we're all looking forward to things getting back to normal and um things starting to kind of heat back up when, when we get into it. Um, but talking about the AAC, I mean, everybody knows the moniker, the Power Six, the P6. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you've used it in social, on social media. I know you've used it on your show before. Have you had any, like, have you had any pushback from that? Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I have. Um, there, there's been more than a couple occasions I've been in a press box uh, visiting – uh, one of the other will say power six leagues and uh, you know, somebody will recognize me and I'll, I'll get some, you know, uh, ribbing and people say, you know, how's the power six P six. Is it, is it official yet? Um, <laughs> you, you get that of course uh, when you run into people that you've worked with in this industry for a while, but uh, really for the most part, I, I think I've been surprised that there are people out there that are accepting of it. Of course, uh, if you just look at social media and check out fans from the Big Ten or SEC, et cetera, uh, they're not, of course, very accepting. But the surprising part is the administrators at some of these schools. And, of course, we've seen ESPN in the past few years kind of do a 180. Everybody remembers how Kirk Herbstreit used to talk down the league. And mm-hmm. then after you started getting a couple college game days, it feels like every season now you're starting to see those announcers, Desmond Howard, everybody kind of start to recognize that, hey, you know, it might not be one of the autonomy conferences, but it's certainly making a case for being uh, at least respected more. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that, that's something that we've seen and I mean, been watching over the past couple of years. I know ECU hasn't been really a contributing factor <laughs> to um, <laughs> not as of late to the power um, uh, of the conference, but yeah, definitely seeing the, co- the competition that we're up against every, every week in the, in the conference, it, it definitely looks like a, power conference and I was I was going to ask I mean that that has to be because of the quality right the quality of the conference why everybody's kind of done a 180 because it's not just football it's basketball too that's really great in the American and and, and the quality of both those sports kind of carrying uh carrying the conference probably has to be the reason why absolutely when you look at this league uh you know there's some conferences that um you know like Mountain West for example that's always a great thing because they've they were kind of a parallel for a little bit with the American 
and it's always a good comparison with them, they're football. You know, they got San Diego State and they've got Boise State uh, kind of jockeying back and forth. But then mm-hmm. outside of, I'd say, SDSU had a couple good years in basketball, that's about it. When you look at the American Athletic Conference, you have multiple brand names in football. Look mm-hmm. what Houston has done as of late in basketball. The, the job Hardaway has done with recruiting. And then just got baseball. You got yeah. Houston has a great record. ECU, you guys have one of the most historic programs here in the conference. Wichita State has a college World Series championship. Yep. There's, it's one of those situations where every single program in school in this conference does something to lift up the others, mm-hmm. and then they just keep lifting each other up. Yeah, and that, that's one of the things that when I talk to people that are fans, I've got several friends that are fans of the Pac-12, of the ACC, SEC. I, when I talk to them and they try to start talking down to the American Conference, I'm always like, yeah, but your, your conference is mainly known for this one thing. The ACC is a basketball conference. You have Clemson and football, but it, it's a basketball conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big Ten, kind of the same thing. You have some good basketball schools, but you're a football conference. SEC, same thing. Then the Pac-12, sometimes I look at them and I'm like, what are y'all good at? But that's, <laughs> that's another story for another day. Um, but, yeah, Artie, I know you had a question about, about the conference as a whole. Yeah, and, you know, I was, I was going to ask, you know, by ourselves, you know, we, we, we have a good culmination of schools and programs. But I was going to ask you, how do you feel about expansion? Do you feel that we need more teams or, or, or less teams in the American? Ooh, uh, I'll tell you, that's a, the million-dollar question. Every time <laughs> I, I'm always asking it myself, of course, whenever we talk to a Resgo. Uh, it, it's one of those things, and I've, I've been lucky to have input from different people who uh, actually have says in the decision-making process. Um, I, I would say that we do need to. Based on everything that I've heard, we need to expand. And if there was a way, uh, and this isn't going to happen, but if there was a way, I, my dream situation is that we had Navy as a whole because I'm not a fan of uh, the, the splitting and having affiliate members for certain mm-hmm. sports because uh, you, don't, you don't see that with, you know, with the SEC or ACC like we were talking about. You look at those and you can list their membership from top to bottom, and it's pretty much all sports. For us, if we were to expand, it would have to be somebody that we could add in all sports. Um, right. You know, me, I, I like to think strategically, of course, which so like a lot of people, I say, hey, you go for Boise State because we were just talking about them. And yep. you basically gut the top of the Mountain West Conference, which puts the American, of course, a little bit higher and, of course, sends everybody else toppling a little bit further, creating that, that greater distance between the American Athletic Conference and the supposed group of four, we'll say. But you know, when it comes to a specific school, it would have to be something that you could bring on in all sports. And you can't do that with a Boise State or a San Diego State just because of the logistics right now. We got schools that are cutting sports to try to free up money, or in some cases, just to get out of a deficit. And adding schools that would be far out west, it would just add that those travel costs and expenses for, you know, softball or something that might not be as profitable as football. So if we did expand, I, I would say, unfortunately, you would probably gut somebody from Conference USA because the prime candidate on the East Coast is, of course, Appalachian State. I mean, nobody can, you know, get away from that thing. But if you brought them into the American Athletic Conference, they wouldn't add anything outside of 
they, for, for lack of a better term, they would hurt ECU stepping on their recruiting footprint instead Absolutely. of adding more TV markets. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, like you said, they don't really add a, a, a full TV market that, that we're not currently in. I mean, we've got the Raleigh-Durham, we've got the Charlotte TV markets because a lot of our fan base, a lot of our alumni base live in those two yeah, cities. They live in Raleigh and Charlotte. Yep. Um, so as much as people say, oh, well, you're just in Greenville. No, no. Our fans of ECU are all across the country, all across the globe. But um, and that, that's one of the things that you notice from I, I saw just the other day in my in my office park where I work. There, I saw two USF tags. I saw a UCF tag, and I saw a Memphis tag. Mm. So I mean, this I, I was just started noticing them one day, and I was like, "Geez, like these are people from all over," and it just shows how all encompassing our conference is. A, a school that I would I could see one day maybe adding is. Um, they don't like you said. They don't really add much in some of the other sports, but like a like a Western Michigan type school, um, one of those schools up there to kind of bring in some more, and it'd be a good travel partner with a school like Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. What, what, what's your take on something like that? Well, I tell you, it would be tricky uh, to even go after a MAC school because the the MAC is a very strange conference. It's it's <laughs> probably I, I call it the uh, the Patriot League of the FBS it's, it's older <laughs> schools and, and they're very tightly knit mm-hmm. and they, they seem to have developed and you'll, you'll, you'll see this throughout the, uh, the football seasons. And of course, early in non-conference basketball, the Mac is almost working as a, a little brother partner with the big 10. They really like to schedule and work with the big 10. So it, they, they seem to have a way of uh, coming out financially stable. And I don't see a lot of schools wanting to leave their, uh, it, outside of, of course, we saw Temple a few years ago, but that was a very uh, special situation. Of course, Temple being formerly of the Big East before they went to the MAC, and they were only an affiliate. Uh, so, looking at the MAC, I can't see anybody. But if you did take somebody, I'll tell you what: Western Michigan's probably a really good pick if you're looking at the MAC, honestly. No. Yeah, and that, that, that's a school that I mean, honestly, doesn't get named quite a bit. When you see you see these blogs and you see these posts all the time about schools joining the American conference, which schools would make sense. And that's a school you don't really see. And I, I mean, that's one that I've been thinking about for a while. And, and what about a Marshall? I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of noise about Marshall, maybe joining the American or wanting to join the American. I could see that maybe happening. What do you, what do you, what do you think about a Marshall? I'll tell you what, Marshall is a school that has been on my radar in the past. Uh, a couple of years ago, they played somebody from the American in the uh, tournament, uh, basketball tournament. I was, I remember looking at it thinking like, Let's, they've got a pretty decent little – it's a smaller arena, mm-hmm. but could easily be expanded. And, of course, the football, they've got some history. Now, they were Division Two not too long ago, but have made great strides. Like we've seen with a lot of programs uh, that, that have just grown as of late. Of course, Appalachian State was another good, great example of that. But Marshall would also, in my opinion, uh, help the conference with that West Virginia – situation if the Mountaineers would be willing to actually schedule them again Mm -hmm. yep 100% um but yeah let's uh let's transition into looking at kind of this year going forward we've um everybody's kind of on edge with what's going to happen um with the season especially with all the COVID-19 things going on in the world right now um so we, we wanted to first start off by maybe talking about some of the players that you're 
excited to see take the field this year. I know you've been doing your um, like player highlights on the AAC Daily Twitter account. Um, are there any players that ECU fans should be on the lookout for um, all across the conference? Well, I'll tell you, when it comes to the, the players to watch in this league, it it's, feels like a lot of uh, deja vu based on last season because, of course, you yeah. had Shane Bouchelle at SMU who just feels like the talk of the, the country right now, uh, which is very surprising. Another great thing for the American. Mm-hmm. Uh, if guys, you, obviously, you follow football, so I'm sure you've heard of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, which really is considered the Bible of football in the state of Texas. Mm -hmm. And to have Shane Bouchelle on the cover of that ahead of, you know, options at Texas Tech, Baylor, Texas A&M, Texas, it it just, it looks really good for the conference and it's great exposure. And of course, uh, Shane deserves it. He's been a great quarterback since his time at Texas. Uh, As far as somebody that maybe people aren't really uh, expecting to hear from, it's it's a toss-up because you got a lot of talent throughout this league. Uh, I would say maybe uh, keep an eye on Brady White to really maybe break out this year. And I know there's got to be some listeners right now thinking, Austin, how can you say uh, that a guy who might be under the radar or off the radar is a guy who played in the Cotton Bowl last year? That's because Brady's really developed a lot this offseason. We've seen it progressing ever since, of course, his time at Arizona State before transferring to Memphis. But with Ryan Silverfield, who's taken over for Mike Norvell, I think we're going to see Brady White really take that next step as a quarterback and potentially be a breakout star on a national level this season. Yeah, and I I know watching him, especially in that Cotton Bowl last year, I mean, that seeing some of his ability, and I mean, yeah, like you said, he came from Arizona State, that's – it's something to be excited about um, for the conference. I'm I'm really glad that we as ECU fans don't have to have to see him this year. Yeah. <laughs> um, Artie, did yeah, I, I was going to say, uh, you know, as as far as coaches go, football wise in the conference, uh, who would you say is your top five or your top tier coaches in 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 the conference right now? The I would say if I had to split them in half and just list my top half, uh, the the surprising one. Uh, is just he's my number one favorite pick because of uh, not not just because of what he's accomplished during his time as a head coach, but he has a loyalty that you don't really see in the sport as much anymore. Of course, I'm talking about Kenny Lolo would be my top coach who has been at Navy for years, was there as an assistant under Paul Johnson, had offers to take jobs at a BYU and other places over there in the Pac-12 and decided, no, I'm going to stay here with these young men and continue to develop this program, has done a great job transitioning it into its first conference ever joining the American. He would have to be my number one overall coach. And my second second would probably be the uh, a bit of a surprise. I'm going to go with Willie Fritz just because he's winning at Tulane. And this isn't a to make light of the green wave, but that's not an easy place to win. We saw it with Curtis Johnson and, and several coaches that preceded him. It's been a tough place to win. And usually when a coach wins at Tulane, they're gone. We saw that with Bowden in the past. Yep. But really Fritz has stayed there. And we're talking about back-to-back bowl wins for the green wave. That's why he would have to be my number two. 
As for three and four, I'm going to say it's a bit of a, a tie between Luke Fickle and Josh Heupel because Josh Heupel inherited a winning program. There's, just, there's no other way to put that. He was handed the keys to a Ferrari. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Luke Fickle was handed the keys to, we'll, we'll say, uh, a sports car that sat in a garage and, and collected dust because Cincinnati, of course, had a great period under Brian Kelly – uh, and then Butch Jones, you know, kind of trickled off there. And the Tommy Tuberville years, just we saw that car start to rust up, so to speak. But Luke Fickle's done a really good job of polishing that back up. I don't think the Bearcats are, are as good as they're getting credit for. And that's, that's not to, you know, slam UC or anything. I, I just think they might get a little bit too much hype when you look at the depth of this league. So I would put Luke Fickle and Josh Heupel right there at a tie. And then after that, um, I'm going to go with, and this is, I'm not playing favorites here, fellas, but I do have to say Mike Houston. Let's go. There it is. There it is. Because of the fact that we know he's a winner. We saw what he did at James Madison. And it feels like when you talk to the players and you see what he's like doing with Holton and the rest of that team, they're, they're looking more cohesive. And that's not something that we saw under Scotty Montgomery. And, with Mike Houston, you really – you don't just feel like it's talk. You don't feel like it's hype. You feel like it's real. And you see the improvement. We saw it throughout 2019 getting progressively better. And really that record didn't show the, the improvement because we saw ECU put a lot of people up on the ropes last season. And I expect them to have a great year this year. That's why I would put, you know, Coach Mike Houston at number five. And then maybe, you know, I, I would say Dana Holgerson might be nipping at his heels. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that that hire for Houston, uh, Dana Holgerson, I, I mean, that, that was a huge pickup uh, what, last year. So, yeah, and I, I'm glad to hear that for, for Mike Houston. I'm, I, I think that he's done wonders, especially coming into a situation that wasn't good at ECU. Mm-hmm. I mean, all, all of ECU fans can attest to – I mean, he, it wasn't a good situation for <laughs> anybody to come into. And then he came, he came in and kind of – took the reins. And you can see with this 2020 class, I mean, he's really going out there and, and really ingratiating himself with these, with these student athletes and getting quality guys to come into the program. So I'm very, very excited and happy that you make, mentioned uh, Mike Houston. You, you have to. I mean, look at what he's done just this offseason in terms of pulling in transfers. In Alabama, Oklahoma, uh, the list goes on. He's been pulling in great guys. Mm-hmm. With, with, uh, we're not talking about just they look good on paper. Guys who have performed, you have the, I yep. forget the lineman's name from uh, North Carolina that just pulled a couple weeks ago. Avery he, Jones? Him, yes. His staff is doing a great job. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that we've talked about ex- extensively over the last three or four weeks on our podcast. I mean, we have six grad transfers. I mean, and five of them are coming from Power, power Six schools you know I mean you got Arkansas you got your Alabama you got Oklahoma you got Carolina you got NC State those wolf puppies in Raleigh and then you got uh then you got somebody coming in from App State another mm-hmm. another guy that's come in and he's going to come in and he knows how to win all of these guys that are coming in know how to win football games have experienced bowl games have experienced that winning culture you've got um you got one guy that's won a national championship or been on a national championship team. You've got another guy that's played on a national championship mm. team or played in a national championship game. So 
it's it's exciting to see these guys coming in, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, staying with the coaches, though, if there's one coach that you may see this year had maybe on the ropes or um, maybe on the hot seat, so to say, is there one that has to really outperform, or um, if his team underperforms, he may be maybe getting the boot. I'll tell you what, there, there's only one person that could possibly be on the hot seat, and he had a big win against UCF last year, but that's been about it for him and his program last few years. Of course, Philip Montgomery, who is a great guy. I knew him when he was at Baylor, uh, working under Art Bryles at the time. He's – no other way to put it, he's an offensive genius, a, a quarterback whisperer at times. But the fact is you got to win – in this conference and part of the job is winning being a nice guy it just doesn't get the w's sometimes and if phil montgomery's tulsa team doesn't produce some kind of tangible just visible improvement this season i I could see him being the only one that might be on the ropes because everybody else frankly is pretty early in their contract here in the america yep Mm -hmm. and that's also great to hear too that i mean not great to hear because you never want to see anybody on the hot seat, but that, that, that there's only one coach that could possibly be on the hot seat. That everybody else is kind of still getting to the motions, are still doing a great job at their given program. The issue, the issue that I mean, the American Conference has faced over the last several years is coaches actually not being fired, but leaving for a for a job at a quote unquote Power Five school. Right. That, that's what that's what we've seen over the last couple of years. And I mean, Luke Fickle. I mean, he. Didn't he turn down a job, I believe, at UCLA or at a Power 5 school to stay at Cincinnati because of what the American Conference is doing and how they're progressing? Yeah, it's a, well, Luke Fickle's a very special case. He's, a, he's an Ohio guy, born, grew up in Ohio, of course played for the Ohio State Buckeyes, then coached there, took over as an interim head coach following their temporary scandal, which everybody's forgotten about somehow now. <laughs> now he's down to Cincinnati, and he, he doesn't seem like he's going to jump at the first job, which, of course, as you mentioned, Michigan State uh, offered him everything that, that any coach could possibly want to replace Mark D'Antonio, who uh, abruptly decided to step down. I believe it was either the day before or the day after National Signing Day. And they ended up, with, I think, was uh, poaching Colorado's coach. But Luke Fickle choosing to stay at Cincinnati – uh, it's not just because he's an Ohio guy, but it certainly played a role. He feels like this conference and that school have the potential to to keep growing and succeeding. And I think you're going to see more of that around the league uh, as it continues to grow itself. I mean, a lot of people forget we're talking about a seven-year-old conference. It It's really accomplished so much. It's hard to believe until like seven years old. Yeah, definitely. And that's, uh, I mean, that, that's the thing that, I mean, seeing the American conference, it, seeing the growth. I mean, yeah, we, we came in a year after the conference formed, but seeing the growth of the conference in, since 2014 when we joined, I mean, it's it's been exponential. I mean, you're talking about teams going to these New Year's Six Bowls, playing, competing. You have UCF who went undefeated, um, which, that, I mean, that leads me kind of into our next – my next question is, is UCF still – the clear favorite. I know looking at some of the betting lines, they are the favorite to win the conference, but I, I'm also thinking is Cincinnati is, is a Memphis there to, uh, to, to be the favorite. I, I tell you what, it's going to be 
uh, interesting to see how things play out this year because, of course, we have the conference championship game, but we don't have divisions anymore. So we're doing something a little bit more similar to what the Big 12 does, where it's just the top two teams with the best records uh, without divisions. They're going to go ahead and, and play in the conference championship. Could likely be uh, a, a rematch, but uh, looking at that, I, I, I want to say that UCF, of course, has potential. And, and they're always they, – they get a lot of hype in the preseason, and deservedly so. They've done a great job of developing that program. But when you look at Cincinnati and you look at Memphis, who might be transitioning with a new coach to Silverfield, but he's not coming from outside. He's keeping that same system in place. You have three very good programs there. Jeff Scott at USF, they're going to play spoiler to a few people this year. And I think it's going to be the same situation with Mike Houston's ECU team. We have a lot of hungry programs that aren't just going to roll over. They're not going to see Cincinnati come to town, or they're not going to uh, go to Orlando and Spectrum Stadium and just roll over because these teams have hype surrounding them. We've got a lot of hungry teams in this conference that it's really hard to pick a favorite, unlike in previous years where you could go, you could look at the roster, just run down and say, well, that's got experience, that coach is still there, and, and just pick somebody almost, almost guaranteed. And, and we've seen it, you know, for several years now, it felt like whoever the clear favorite was early on ran away with it. I don't see that being the situation this year. You got your traditionals, your, your Memphises, your uh, UCS, and maybe Cincinnati, but I could see somebody playing spoiler this year and maybe seeing a surprise team hit the conference championship game, and then it's anybody's ball game. So, so if you had to choose or if you had to pick one, who, who would be your surprise team this year? Oh, see, I, I tried so hard to not be put on the spot. <laughs> um, I, I would say if, if it was going to be a surprise team, I would say Houston, just because uh, there are so many question marks around that program uh, with Derek King transferring to Miami. Now you got Clayton Toon under center. <laughs> well, I can't say under center when you're talking about a Dana Holgerson offense, but you got Clayton Toon there uh, starting for quarterback. It's going to be – I would say if, it, if you had a – clear surprise team it would be Houston uh if you had a clear cut you expect them to do it UCF and you know I'm also I'm, I'm kind of going to put you on a spot again here uh because <laughs> if, if if you had to choose one uh which American team do you feel is the closest to a playoff appearance um it's provided they actually give us a fair opportunity to make the playoff I would say uh, the closest, I would have to go with UCF just based on if they were to put up a performance again worthy of getting into the playoffs, I think the committee would have the hardest time ignoring them a, a third time in, in four or five years. But, right. you know, again, we thought there was no way that they would keep out a UCF team that went undefeated two years in a row. Right, right. It's, it's a tricky, tricky thing, and uh, you don't want to say the system's rigged, but I think you gentlemen realize that the system is pretty rigged. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we, we've talked about that quite a bit on, on the podcast. Um, so looking looking at this season, not maybe a team that will compete for a conference championship, but you kind of hinted at some of the dark horse teams in the conference, teams that will play spoiler. Are there is there anybody that um, really stands out as a team that will maybe make – a run at a maybe a seven, eight win season, kind of that middle of the pack to 
um, top top tier in our conference? I would have to say, if, if you're looking at teams that uh, you don't expect to to really, to, they might be lucky to pull an eight win and could possibly uh, do better than that. I would put two teams in there. I would say ECU and Temple because Rod Carey's had a year under his belt there in Philadelphia. And of course, Mike Houston, the same thing there in Greenville. That would be my two teams that I would say could surprise people the most. Maybe not, you know, make those conference championship game runs, but I could definitely see those two teams really surprising people this year and potentially winning in eight or nine, uh, throwing together eight or nine wins this season. Yeah, and that, that, that's exciting to hear because, I mean, I think Artie and I, we, we both have the same opinion or same mindset that yeah, it can be done. I don't think anyone in Greenville right now is expecting, you know, nine or ten wins from, from, from this team this season. So that would absolutely be a, be a great, great shock if they were to <laughs> uh, <laughs> go on to win at least eight or nine games this, uh, this year. Yeah, well, when you look at it, you got – what you open up the season uh, Marshall at home and – I think if ECU can get off to a hot start there in Dowdy Ficklin, uh, you know, knocking off the herd to start the season off would be a great way to get things started. And then mm-hmm. maybe uh, in front of college game day again. Yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're trying to stress that. <laughs> well, it, I'm, I don't know when you guys – you have a bye very early. It's in week two or three. Yeah, we have a bye week – well, I think it's technically week one. Okay. Since, since we're playing in week zero, I think our bye is technically week one. And then we play week two, I think – at South Carolina. Yeah, and you look at that schedule, and I think you got a Sunbelt team somewhere, Georgia State. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. That's basically your non-conference with the FCS opponent uh, thrown in there. Uh, ECU has a pretty favorable situation laying ahead of it. If it gets off to a, a strong start, I think the, the confidence starts to build in that locker room as you get into the meat of conference play, and then it's anybody's, you know, anybody's guess what's going to happen, but it would definitely uh, be favorable for ECU if they got off to a hot start because I think it would be hard to slow them down because the fans have been hungry and provided we can even have fans in the stands, I'm sure they would start to file right back into Dowdy Ficklin the moment those wins started piling up. Yeah, and I, I had one more question just kind of like conference-related. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're so good both in football and basketball, um, but would you say that the American is more of a football conference or more of a basketball conference? You know, it's it's a that's a really good question because it's uh, it feels so split down the middle anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I mean is great. You you want to have that balance because uh, you mentioned earlier in the program that it, it allows it to keep climbing when the football season's over. The exposure is still there for basketball. Uh, if you had to pick one, I would say uh, just based on the success it's had in New Year's Six Bowls and continually uh, improving the brand's image, I would say it's it leans to football uh, mm-hmm. right now, but the beauty is, even though it might be football-centric, that basketball side of things has just been doing so well. I, I can't stress it enough. I, and I'm, I'm sure any, listener, any of your listeners ever catch my show, I'm, I constantly praise this man, uh, Kelvin Sampson, what he has done at Houston when some of our other programs have been having uh, down cycles. You know, the, you have years where you do well, you have years where you do bad, and some of our better programs have been having a downturn as of late SMU, Cincinnati. Uh, but Houston has really kept, uh, kept that American Athletic Conference banner flying on the national stage when it comes to basketball. Yeah, and hopefully, uh, hopefully Joe Dooley and, and squad can uh, 
be be making a run here in the next year or yeah, two. Right, right now, our basketball program just just compete. You know, we just <laughs> we just want to compete, and it's not it's not all about the wins. Just just show up and actually compete. <laughs> if we could get to twelve wins, thirteen wins, we've had a yeah, good season. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that that's really I mean that's the main part of the questions that I had. I have we have one question that we ask all of our guests, um, and I, I don't know if you've been there. Um, I'm sure you've been to Greenville a couple of times now, but have you been to Sup Dogs? No, but I've, I've definitely heard good things on social media. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So um, next time you're in town, um, maybe maybe we'll have to go out. We usually ask our guests what their order is at Sup Dogs. Mm-hmm. So um, next time you're in town, we'll uh, maybe we'll get together. We'll go out to Sup Dogs. It'll be our treat. Absolutely. And uh, we'll we'll go out there and we'll we'll have a couple hot dogs, a couple hamburgers, or something like that. And uh, you'll be able to really get the true Greenville feel. Well, that sounds like a great plan, gentlemen. I'll be sure to take you up on it. All right, thank you, Austin. It's been a it's been a pleasure. Um, we're we're excited to get this episode out to our fans and to to your fans as well. Um, we we greatly appreciate you coming on, um, and we hope that we can have a AAC conference. Uh, season this year and at least get some football going here here in august so um do you have any anything to plug on it i know you're you got the aac daily you want to tell people where you where they can find you when you're when you're live uh, absolutely gentlemen and of course thank you for having me on it's a, always a pleasure talking to uh to fans and other hosts around the american athletic conference uh if you want to catch the aac daily you can catch it where all, almost any of your podcasts are available of course on iHeartRadio as well Gentlemen, once again, thanks for having me on. It's been my pleasure. Absolutely. We appreciate the time and stay safe during all this, you know, craziness. Once again, we want to thank C. Austin Cox for joining us on the Boneyard Podcast this week. We also wanted to uh, wish all of you a happy and fun and safe July 4th. Um, Stay safe, Pirate Nation. We'll talk to you next week.